breaking, I cannot go right now there. They used to cry and pray while they were making food, and now they are singing songs, folk songs. Tonight, the resilience and resolve, as millions across Canada and around the world mark one year since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Good evening. For 365 days, the images from Ukraine have been difficult to watch. The destruction and devastation impossible to comprehend. Tonight, people from across our region reflect on a grim anniversary and stand in solidarity with those caught in a conflict they never wanted. We have comprehensive coverage of this story tonight, starting with our Andrew Brennan, who reports on the day's events here in the GTA. Andrew. Oh, Michelle, the president of Ukraine called this past year one of pain, sorrow, faith and resistance, unity. And that's all four things we are going to be seeing tonight. At Chinchenko's bakery in Bloor West Village, the heart of the Ukrainian community in Toronto, Nadia Miklu thinks of her brother half a world away back in Ukraine fighting the Russian invasion. It's very, very hard and it's just heartbreaking. I cannot go right now there. It's, I even cannot explain. The Pampushki stare back at you from the window inviting you in. All the sale proceeds are going to humanitarian efforts in Ukraine. This is the hugest challenge we ever had in our life, and we know we have no right to fail. Lesia Arabets is a former member of Ukraine's parliament. She came to Canada last June with her two daughters, leaving her husband behind where he's been on the front lines for a year. Just before the war began, he gave her this hat with mouse ears for Valentine's Day. This year, she gave him a combat helmet. This is a new experience for both of us because I've never done single parenting. And he was always in the life of his kids, so and he tries to be there. At Toronto City Hall, the Ukrainian flag has been waving for a year. Symbolically, it was raised again to mark 365 days since war returned to Europe. This illegal invasion on a sovereign and independent country is an affront to democracy everywhere. And we will stand with Ukraine for as long as it takes and until this war ends. I want to thank all Torontonians for opening their doors, assisting people fleeing the war in Ukraine. Olha Hometa helped organize donation collection at Toronto's Stand with Ukraine candlelight vigil and rally. She got word this week her father, 57 years old, is now headed to the front lines of the war. Lots of worries, lots of anxiety, but the only way to manage through this um, is to help in all possible ways that I can. One year of war and displacement and endurance has taken its toll on many, but also there is resilience. There's no room for complaint. Canada is a good country. Thank you so much for safety here. Uh, but we plan to get back home and definitely we would have to do everything to win. Tonight's candlelight vigil and march begins here in moments, starting at Young and Dundas Square, heading towards Nathan Phillips Square, where there will be speeches not only from the Prime Minister, also the opposition leader and the Premier there, but 
more as well. The term piece de la résistance means uh, something with staying power, but in this case, it takes on a more colloquial meaning. Reporting live, I'm Andrew Brennan. Michelle, we'll send it back to you inside. Thank you, Andrew. And in Ukraine, people are marking the day with a mix of sorrow at the prospect of a continuing conflict and resolve the tide could turn in their favor. CTV's Paul Workman is in Kyiv with that story. A memorial garden of flags on a somber winter day. A day of grief mixed with resolve, mixed with flashbacks of the horror Ukraine has endured. Since the morning, I have been feeling very anxious. She says, I'm crying a little. I buried my son, who died fighting. I also buried my husband. Now I'm on my own, and it's very hard. People woke up to the grim voice of their president with a message celebrating the country's defiance. On the longest day of our lives, the hardest day, we woke up early, he said, and haven't fallen asleep since. To the sound of a single drumbeat, soldiers marked a year of sacrifice with a minute of silence in the courtyard stillness of St. Sophia Cathedral. Russia's invasion has cost Ukraine dearly. Tens of thousands killed, millions homeless, and massive destruction. The fighting is far from over. This war will go on, said Zelensky, but Ukraine has survived. To all who fight for Ukraine, I want to say I am proud of you. Let this pride be felt in the streets and the trenches. Long live Ukraine. Bestowing the country's highest honor to the families of fallen soldiers. Quietly telling each family, we will never forget, the whole country will never forget. The Ukrainian president told his country that this year, 2023, would bring victory. Hours later, Poland announced that its first delivery of leopard tanks had crossed the border into Ukraine. Paul Workman, CTV News, Key. And as Canadians mark this grim anniversary, additional help is on the way for Ukraine. Canada sending four more Leopard 2 tanks, bringing the total so far to eight. One armored recovery vehicle is also being donated, as well as more than 5,000 rounds of ammunition. Ottawa is also imposing sanctions on 129 individuals and 63 entities, including Russian deputy prime ministers. There will also be an additional $32 million in support for demining encountering chemical, biological, and nuclear threats. Putin is dangerous, he is cowardly, and he is weak. His brazen disregard for human life, his irresponsible rhetoric, and his willingness to inflict terrible violence on innocent people may seem to have no limits. But what is truly without limits is the courage and resolve of those who fight every day for their freedom. Justin Trudeau says Canada is also banning the export to Russia of certain chemical elements for use in electronics. The import, purchase or acquisition of Russian weapons will be prohibited as well. Still ahead, she located the bag lost by her airline. So why is she still waiting for it half a year later? We'll have that story coming up. 
But first, a live look at Nathan Phillips Square. People slowly making their way to take in tonight's solidarity rally for Ukraine. And it could be a cold few hours out there as temperatures continue to drop. Let's bring in Lindsay Morrison with a look at what we can expect for tonight in our current conditions. We're through with the storm, but now the cold is really settled in. Yes, we had a trade-off of some beautiful sunshine earlier today, Michelle, but it is quite frigid at this hour. Minus 9 degrees in the city of Toronto. You factor in the winds, and it's feeling into the minus teens. Uh, we have a wind chill of minus 22 in Muskoka as well as Innisfil. It's going to feel like minus 30 in some of those areas tonight. Winds are coming out of the northwest. They're fairly gusty. It's been driving a little bit of lake effect snow off of Lake Huron in particular around areas like St. Mary's and London. Tonight, we're dropping to a low of minus 12 degrees, feeling into the minus teens. We have some active weather in store for tomorrow. Some flurries, heavy at times, and maybe leading to some accumulating snow. We'll talk about that coming up in your weekend forecast. For now, Michelle, back to you. Thanks, Lindsay. Well, if there was an emoji representation of this next story, it would likely be a face palm. There's word tonight there are plans to shut down one of the busiest streetcar routes in Toronto for nearly two years and soon. CTV's Austin Delaney is downtown tonight. Austin, why is this happening? Well, I'll tell you that the, street, the Queen Streetcar is one of the busiest streetcars, if not the busiest streetcar line in Toronto. And what's happening is that those passengers are going to have to get off and get on a shuttle service because there's going to be construction on Queen Street. The 501 Queen Streetcar cuts right through the heart of the city, from the beach all the way to Long Branch in Etobicoke. But soon it is going to stop somewhere a little east and a little west of Young Street, and passengers will have to get off and line up for shuttle buses. Usually I take the college car, and it went through that last year, so uh, I'm not crazy about it, but I mean, the city is all about constructions. The diversion is to allow for construction of the new Ontario subway line. Well, the work has to be done. People have to have jobs, so it's, it's all right. It's fine. But an inconvenience for some that is scheduled to last 20 months. I used a lot to get to my family on both sides of the city. It's kind of a core transportation mechanism for me. And every time there's diversions, it adds like an hour even to a 15-minute trip. When, was, when is this going to happen? The diversion begins in May of this year. The TTC writes in a statement, as this work is several months away, we'll advise our customers about diversions well in advance of construction starting. A section of Queen Street in Toronto is anticipated to close for nearly five years for the construction of the new subway stop at Young and Queen Streets, connecting to Line 1. The Board of Trade says it makes it challenging to get people back into the downtown core post-COVID. The flip side is that um, these, these projects are, um, are an investment in the future and will help people get downtown better uh, down the line, so we have to take into account um, the need to balance the needs of today with the needs of tomorrow. Some passengers are taking it in stride. I mean, it could be worse. There's still one on King, and it's, uh, there's nothing wrong with, you know, using the legs. So take a little walk down, a couple blocks doesn't hurt you. It's good to be active in the winter, right? New tracks are being laid down along Adelaide Street as well as nearby side streets to allow the streetcar to divert without using shuttle buses. But it'll be over a year and a half before that'll be in use. So I spoke to the TTC today. What they were not able to tell me is where this is going to happen, where passengers will get off and where they'll get on again on the east side and the west side, but it'll likely be somewhere right here in the core. Reporting live, I'm Austin Delaney. Nathan? All right, thank you, Austin.
Meanwhile, the TTC has identified nearly 40 bus routes which will be subject to service changes starting March 26th. While some lines will see shorter wait times, the opposite will happen on the majority of affected routes. More than a dozen lines could see wait times rise by up to 11 minutes. The transit agency says the changes reflect the current and future needs of ridership, which is still below pre-pandemic levels. But critics argue service cuts will only drive transit users away from the system. Toronto's deputy mayor says she supports a decision by the city clerk to announce a date for the mayoral by-election, even though city council hasn't officially declared the top job vacant yet. It is unusual to, to have those dates out there because they have not been confirmed by council. But to give some certainty to potential candidates, the clerk felt that that was important. Jennifer McKelvey says she hopes council will declare the vacancy at its next meeting in late March. That would set the stage for a by-election on June 26th. A moratorium on school closures is causing concern for a lot of people across the province. Many are worried the Ford government's temporary ban is no longer temporary. And the effects on some communities may linger for years. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris explains why. This is no longer sustainable for us. The Ontario Public School Boards Association is pleading to end a six-year moratorium on school closures and to update guidelines for how those decisions are to be made. School boards say kids in underused schools are suffering. Perhaps they are in uh, double or triple grades in some cases in some of our very small uh, secondary schools, even in elementary schools. And a full slate of extracurriculars may not be possible. All of this adds up. If you're in a secondary school and you've gone through an entire school career with, uh, you know, less programming options than others, then it puts you a little bit kind of behind. School boards argue it doesn't make sense for public money. You still have to heat uh, that school. You still have to turn on all the lights. Whether the school is less than half full or not. I think it really points to how uh, badly underfunded our school boards have been. Boards are dealing with changing population patterns, fewer per student dollars. And at the same time, they're being told by the Ford government that they're not allowed to explore alternatives. And so they are really in a position where they're being asked to deliver the impossible. Stats from the TDSB in one corner of Toronto this fall showed Joyce Public School was less than half full at 48% capacity, Flemington Public School at 41%, and only 39% of the spaces at Lawrence Heights Middle School were being used. Abraham gets that even thinking about closing or consolidating schools can be emotional, but she stresses our attachment isn't about bricks and mortar. What you loved about that school was the teachers and your friends and, and all the administrative staff that, that made that culture of that school such that you enjoyed being there. A feeling that can live on in a new building. Despite pleas, it doesn't sound like the government plans to make any changes. A spokesperson for the Minister of Education says they aren't closing schools and talked about plans to build more. Siobhan Morris, CTV News. The province says it's made good on a promise to double the number of long-term care home inspectors in Ontario. More inspectors means more inspections, allowing us to do a better job of holding homes accountable, keeping residents safe, and improving the care residents receive. Long-term care minister Paul Calandra announced 193 employees have been hired since that pledge was made in late 2021, including 156 new inspectors. The Ford government has taken steps to increase oversight of long-term care 
after COVID-19 exposed many ongoing issues in the sector. It's a first in the city. Acute care hospitals are teaming up with Toronto Public Health to offer at least two supervised drug consumption sites. Amid a record number of opiate overdose deaths, it's seen as an evolution in harm reduction. CTV's John Musselman reports. Toronto Public Health is partnering with Unity Health Toronto and the University Health Network to expand frontline health care services in response to the escalating drug crisis in the city. Acute care hospitals will soon offer supervised consumption services to increase harm reduction programs and curb opioid overdoses. Opioid overdoses reached record levels in 2021. 591 people died. According to Toronto Public Health, they had 21,000 visits at supervised injection sites, preventing communicable diseases and providing health and social support. It claims more than 500 overdoses were prevented. Medical experts say this is the right approach. Quote, supervised consumption sites save lives and are needed more than ever. At Unity Health Toronto, equity is fundamental to our vision, and we are proud to be working with partners in this next evolution of harm reduction in the city. The location of the new sites will be determined over the next 12 to 24 months. John Musselman, CTV News. Coming up, a boost to Toronto's black communities and the project aimed at addressing the mental health challenges they face. That story a little later this hour. A stretch of Highway 10 was closed for much of the day in Caledon after several vehicles were involved in a morning crash. This is the area of Highway 10 and Old Baseline Road. Officials put the word out at around 7.30 this morning that there had been a crash. Police later said five vehicles were involved and two people were transported to a trauma center with life-threatening injuries. Highway 10 reopened to traffic at around 3.30 this afternoon. York Regional Police have arrested another suspect in connection with a violent assault weeks before the same victim was allegedly kidnapped. In December 2021, police say a number of suspects attacked El Nas Hashmatiri in a Richmond Hill parking garage. 25-year-old Harshpreet Sikhan from Mono faces two charges, including aggravated assault. Three other men were previously charged in that incident, including the victim's former boyfriend, Mohamed Lilo. He's also charged with attempted murder and kidnapping after Hajmatiri's disappearance a few weeks later from a home in Wasaga Beach. The man charged in the deadly crash at a Laval daycare earlier this month is fit to stand trial. A psychiatric evaluation of Pierre Nice saint amand found him mentally able to participate in the case. The 51-year-old is charged with two counts of first-degree murder and other offenses. Two young children were killed when the city bus he was driving slammed into the daycare on February 8th. The number of combined deaths in Turkey and Syria has surpassed 50,000. More than 160,000 buildings collapsed or were severely damaged in Turkey alone during the February 6th earthquakes. The U.N. estimates one and a half million people are homeless. Canada is sending an additional $20 million in aid and will match $10 million in donations to the group Humanitarian Coalition. That's in addition to the $10 million in matching donations to the Canadian Red Cross. A Toronto woman's attempts to locate her lost luggage is sending her in circles. And as CTV's Alison Hurst explains, the woman knows the location of the bag thanks to an air tag. She just can't get to it. 
the exact location of where our luggage is in Etobicoke. Shamita Kumar's AirTag has shown it there for almost six months. It's definitely been frustrating, especially given the duration of time it's taken for all of this. The bag belongs to her mother, who went to Sri Lanka in September to help her sister through cancer treatment. We had like stuff for her chemo, like, you know, bras and things like that for, you know, a mastectomy. But it never arrived. Kumar says the AirTag showed it in Montreal before returning to Toronto. Stopping at this storage facility. The same one where back in January, Nikita Reese's AirTag showed her bag. At the time, Air Canada told Reese it had been donated to charity. It is now getting absolutely clear that this is something deliberate planned. And it reinforces my view that we are dealing here with a criminal activity. It is not a civil issue. In a statement to CTV News, a Toronto police spokesperson said it did investigate several reports of lost luggage in January and ultimately determined they weren't criminal matters as it related to the airline carrier's policy around unclaimed luggage. We are no longer investigating. I don't accept the theory that just because there is a contract between Air Canada and a third party, it makes it legal to steal someone's bag. Air Canada did not provide anyone for an interview. A spokesperson did tell us they are aware of Kumar's case and are looking for the bag. Kumar called the storage facility herself and was told Air Canada was not their client. When she called police, she says they told her to contact Reese because she got her bag back. It just seems really suspicious given the fact that it's a storage unit, but it's not associated with Air Canada, but that's where all of the luggages are apparently. At this point, Kumar says what they want is the bag back and compensation. Allison Hurst, CTV News, Toronto. Coming up, Shantae Moore's in town for a glamorous Black History Month ball. We catch up with the songstress as she reflects on her career and what's yet to come. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up, it's Feedback Friday. More viewers say they've received huge, unexpected natural gas bills. More drivers say they've also had their Ram truck stolen. And other people tell us they've also been victims of distraction thefts. Feedback Friday is just ahead. Well, the upside to this week's measurable snow conditions look great for a weekend of winter fun activities, whether that's tobogganing or maybe doing some snowshoeing, or perhaps you will be hitting the slope. Ski hills still looking good in most parts of our province with an assist from Mother Nature coming tomorrow. And then next week, believe it or not, potential for another storm with mixed precipitation. We'll show you when to expect that just ahead. And stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. More viewers tell us they, too, have had their Ram trucks stolen within the past month. And others say they've been victims of distraction thefts. Despite our mild winter, more people say they've been shocked to get huge natural gas bills for thousands of dollars. Pat Foran joins us with Feedback Friday. Pat. Nathan and Michelle, natural gas prices have more than doubled over the past two years. Due to a shortage of meter readers, some homeowners have been hit with huge catch-up bills they say they weren't expecting. Pretty shocked. Yeah. A big bill. Robert Casolato recently got a natural gas bill for almost $2,000. Even though he was paying his bill every month, he was told there was a miscalculation and he would have to pay up. Right now, it just doesn't feel right. Due to a shortage of meter readers, many homeowners have been paying estimated bills. Wayne told us, I received a true-up bill last year for $1,600, the reason they hadn't been reading my meter. And Nadim told us, it's not just the cost of natural gas. There are customer charges, delivery charges, gas supply charges, and a federal carbon charge. It's all too much. She was hoping that when I, whoever dies 
to keep that passed to the children. Isa Demirovsky was approached by a woman who walked up to him and put a fake gold chain around his neck. At the same time, she snatched his gold chain worth about $4,000. And this is all fake, fake. Toronto police say distraction thefts often target older people wearing visible jewelry. Linda told us, been there, done that. I never thought it would happen to me, but they sure knew what they were doing. I would like my, my truck back. Ram trucks are being stolen from driveways across the province. In York Region, there have been 131 Ram truck thefts in the past seven weeks. Thieves want newer Ram models to sell overseas. Are they going to put an end to this or... Is this going to become a part of our lives? Roger wrote, my 2021 Ram was stolen twice and the second time my insurance company cancelled my comprehensive coverage. And Dale said, I'm a car dealer. I have had 11 clients have their vehicles stolen in the last seven months. And when vehicles are stolen, it leads to higher insurance premiums for everyone. The Insurance Bureau of Canada says auto theft and fraud costs Ontario drivers about $1.6 billion each year. On your side... I'm Pat for it. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Sun, surf, and snow? It snowed in Hollywood and I made a snowball. And the proof is the Hollywood sign in the back. How about that? The first blizzard warning in more than 30 years was issued in the Los Angeles area today. A slow-moving winter storm has intensified over California, dumping snow and freezing rain. A massive low-pressure system from the Arctic is responsible for the unusual conditions that are expected to linger through tomorrow. And there's more fallout from this week's ice storm that hit parts of southwestern Ontario. Members of one Fort Erie family say they're lucky to be alive following a frightening evening as the system rolled through. Our two children were upstairs in their bedrooms sleeping as well. And it sounded like somebody had fallen down the stairs. We just heard this like big bang. A giant tree crashed into their home while they were sleeping. The largest part slammed through the roof of the master bedrooms. Everyone made it out with just minor injuries, fortunately. The house, however, suffered extensive damage. Environment Canada says about 15 centimeters of snow and freezing rain fell Wednesday with wind gusts reaching about 70 kilometers an hour. Oh, yeah. oh, the wind, the cold snow having an impact it seems everywhere at least we got some sunshine today we did get some sun but boy is it's going to be a cold night and we're not through with the white stuff also heading into the weekend no we're really not it's going to be cold tonight it's going to be cold tomorrow then we get a little bit of active weather for tomorrow and you know that storm impacting california well that's eventually at least a, 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 an updated element of that storm is going to make its way toward us for next week so yes this is your heads up next monday and tuesday maybe another round of mixed precipitation and and stormy weather headed our way. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. We'll begin first with a look at where it's cold and, well, basically everywhere in Canada right now, including Vancouver, where the temperature is zero. It is feeling into the minus 30s in cities like Edmonton and Regina. It's going to feel into the minus 20s and 30s and minus 40s in Newfoundland and Labrador this weekend. Uh, extreme cold warnings have come to an end 
in northern parts of Ontario. But look at this. Our overnight wind chill is about minus 23 in Peterborough tonight, minus 25 in Orillia, and minus 31 in Perry Sound. We, too, are going to be waking up tomorrow morning not only feeling the chill, but also dealing with flurries, perhaps heavy at times. And there's even a risk of a few snow squalls in some areas. We're going to talk about the snowfall accumulations in just a moment. But here's a look at your afternoon temperatures for Saturday, right around freezing and well and above the freezing mark in St. Thomas. You can expect some snow in Collingwood as well as Aurora and in Burlington, minus two, the forecast high for you. Minus four degrees in Uxbridge. There's Huntsville and Trenton. Wind chill about minus 10 in the afternoon, but much colder than that in the morning. So let's talk about the snow. We've had some lake, uh, lake effect making its way off of Lake Huron today around St. Mary's, Godridge, Stratford, Strathroy, and London. Here's the next disturbance that's going to move through. This one is somewhat disorganized. It's not going to be quite as potent as some of the storms we had uh, certainly earlier this week and over the last couple of weeks. But with this, we could expect anywhere from maybe two to even five centimeters of snow, especially if we get a little bit of lake enhancement off of Lake Ontario. But what's more likely is around that two to three centimeter range. Here's how it plays out. So tomorrow morning, there's about 7 a.m. tapping into some of that light snow. It brushes on through during the daytime hours. Later in the afternoon, they should taper off. Sunday's looking like a pretty dry day overall, hopefully with some sunny breaks and the temperature rebounds as well. But here's what's coming for Monday. So this is a look ahead. There's about 6 p.m. on Monday. Start planning accordingly. Of course, this is a few days out, but right now it looks like we could be in for some snow, maybe a change over to rain. We remain unsettled through Tuesday, maybe even Wednesday of next week. And that is when we welcome the month of March. So will it come in like a lion? Hmm, we'll wait and see. And then for the end of next week, calmer conditions, temperatures a little more seasonal and hopefully some sun. That's the weather. Nathan, back to you. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. Well, we're still in the middle of winter, but it's still not cold enough for the world's largest outdoor skating rink. Ottawa's Rideau Canal Skateway will not open this season because of warmer than usual temperatures. Snow and rain also contributed to ice being thin and porous, so it's not safe to skate on. Now, this is the first time weather has prevented the nearly eight-kilometer stretch from opening at all. Also tonight, he's as big as it gets in the rap game, but Drake is signaling he's thinking about retiring. We examine a potential new chapter for the Toronto superstar. Drake fans, you may want to sit down. The Six God may be saying goodbye to the rap game. Toronto's very own hinted at the idea in a short online post this week. And news that Aubrey Graham is thinking of entering music's afterlife has jaws dropping across the city. I think I'm at the point now where I just want to like... It sounds sincere. Drake looking relaxed and reflective, contemplating retirement. Could this really be the end? The concept in my mind of a of a graceful exit. The Toronto rap icon chatting with fellow rapper Lil Yachty, promoting the latter's new line of sunglasses, Future Mood. But retire now? Drake is still at the top of his game, arguably the biggest rap star in the world. The Toronto icon has streamed billions, sold millions, won hundreds of awards, including five Grammys. However, one could argue there's nothing left to do. But fans don't seem ready for this. Drake retiring? Um, I mean, it's his call. It's whatever he feels like is right for his brand, I guess. But uh, he's one of the biggest artists in the world, and I feel like that would be a bad idea fiscally, financially for him, probably in the long run. Well, I don't think he's going to retire. <laughs> Why not? 
because he's uh, I feel like he loves music. Hip hop stars announcing retirement while at the top of their game has been done before. Back in 2003, Jay-Z announced his retirement, though that didn't last. Eminem also toyed with the idea of retiring, but he's still out there. As for Drake, he does have lots of other projects on the go, including his clothing line, OVO, with stores in the U.S., England, and Japan, making it possible, like it or not, the rapper who started from the bottom may want to leave on top. We'll have to see. A staple of the social scene during Black History Month returns tomorrow night. And with it, headliner Shantae Moore. CTV's Andrea K sat down with the R&B star for a preview. As the daughter of a minister, Shantae Moore has been singing all her life. Everybody had something. My brother was a drummer, my father a pianist, as my mother sang, my sister sang. Everybody did something. And I was the little one. And they were like, oh, Shantae, shh. Be quiet. The R&B singer-songwriter has a three-decades-long career, garnering a slew of hits, which brings her to Toronto for the sold-out Black Diamond Ball tomorrow night at the Fairmont Royal York Hotel. I didn't realize it was as fabulous as it is. I realize now, I'm like, shoot, I gotta go shopping. The event, a highlight of Black History Month celebrations, will see people flying in from all over North America, including a contingent from Eastport, Atlanta, the home of Tyler Perry Studios. Tomorrow, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it everything I got. I love that part. I love, I love just seeing their faces, and I'm glad that people are here to see me. And when people are here to see me, that's even better. When people are there and they're focused, then it's, you know, I see you. And they see me, and I love that, yeah. that I get the energy from that. Known for hitting the high notes, there's something about performing live. I get nervous every time I sing. Before I'm on stage, every single time, even when they go, when you say, you know, Shantae's a big star, something inside of me giggles. The 56-year-old may have conquered the R&B charts, but she still has goals yet to achieve. Broadway, for sure. I would love to do voiceovers. Um, for like animation. It's just to be able to do that or commercials or I, I don't know. That kind of thing will be fun. Andrea Case, CTV News. After an outcry from literary fans and free speech advocates, the publisher of Roald Dahl's children's books is reversing course. With the blessing of Dahl's estate, an updated version of Dahl's works edited out references to characters' weight, mental health, and other attributes. The move was described as an effort to make the books more suitable for modern readers, but it also prompted allegations of censorship. Penguin Random House now says it will publish unedited versions of the author's books alongside the new editions for younger readers, and people can choose whichever one they prefer. Country music icon Brad Paisley is out with a new song featuring a conversation with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. We are fighting for our children, our parents, to defend our houses and families. Paisley released his song, Same Here, saying, On this one-year anniversary of the invasion, I'm reminded of the ways we are all so similar. Between Paisley's verses, Zelensky speaks proudly about his country and people. Paisley is a celebrity ambassador for Ukraine's United24 crowdfunding effort. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. 
I'm Mike Walker at Nathan Phillips Square, where thousands will gather tonight to show their support for Ukraine. Our coverage of the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion in Ukraine continues after the break. Meatless Meal Ideas, Monday on CP24 Breakfast. Get budget-friendly vegetarian recipes to beat soaring meat prices. CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its everything every morning. Usually I take the college car and it went through that last year, so uh, I'm not crazy about it. Updating our top stories, in just a few months, a busy streetcar in the heart of downtown Toronto could be shut down for nearly two years. Metrolink says the Queen Streetcar diversion will allow room for the construction of the new Ontario line. Millions of people around the world are marking the grim one-year anniversary since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. In the heart of the conflict, Ukrainians are expressing grief and anxiety. President Zelensky also honored the families of fallen soldiers. This is the hugest challenge we ever had in our life, and we know we have no right to fail. Back here at home, Toronto City Hall re-raised the Ukrainian flag and held a special ceremony in solidarity with Ukrainians displaced and impacted by the war. A major march is set to also take place downtown this evening. And our Mike Walker is at Nathan Phillips Square tonight where people are gathering with politicians for an event to mark today's anniversary. Mike, what can we expect? Well, Michelle, Nathan, thousands of people are expected to gather here at Nathan Phillips Square tonight where there will be a vigil to remember the thousands who have lost their life uh, during Russia's invasion of Ukraine. There will be speeches from the Ukrainian community as well as Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, Ontario Premier Doug Ford. Uh, Conservative leader Pierre Polyev is also expected to address the crowd here this evening. At this hour right now, there is a stand with Ukraine march that has on its way here to Nathan Phillips Square from Young Dundas Square. Hundreds taking part in that. Again, thousands of people expected to be here this evening for what will be a, a somber event. We spoke with one woman who is also organizing tonight's event and donations to support Ukrainian troops on the front line. Here's more from her. I feel so strong right now. It's been uh, a year, the most difficult year of war. Like, first month was... Uh, Horrible! It was horrific. Then every every next month we became stronger and stronger. Seeing this resilience, this remarkable, unprecedented resistance of Ukrainian people and Ukrainian military forces, and um, I think with every month of this war we feel stronger and more um, more like sure that we will end this war on our terms, on Ukrainian terms, and with the help of with the world's help, with the help of serious military equipment donated from the biggest countries in the world, we'll end this war very soon. That's what somebody else would do, stand back. Now, this vigil here at Nathan Phillips Square is expected to get underway just after 7 this evening. The march and vigil is one of more than 300 being held in cities right across the world, including 41 Canadian cities. Reporting live, I'm Mike Walker. Michelle. Back to you. Thank you, Mike. And we'll have updates on the event and more online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. You can also tune in later tonight for CTV News at 1130, where we'll have full details. And shortly after the war started, Western countries slapped sanctions on Russia in the hopes to stall its economy. A year later, there are signs that plan did not work. 
Andrew Bell of BNM Bloomberg has details on that and more in tonight's business update. Hello there. Canadian shares edged higher today, but U.S. stocks dropped on fresh signs that despite interest rate increases, prices are still climbing south of the border. The Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, the Fed's favorite tool for measuring inflation, rose faster in January than in December. And one money manager told Reuters, what worries us most is that the data since the last Fed meeting has been extremely strong. U.S. stocks lost about 3% on the week, and they're now up just over 3% this year. Toronto is ahead just over 4%. One year after Russia's attack on Ukraine, it's an open question as to how effective sanctions on Moscow's oil have been. Researchers, including Columbia University and University of California, say Russian companies got far more money than expected from oil sales to customers such as China just after the imposition of a price cap. And they warned, quote, Russian crude oil being sold well above the price cap level of $60 a barrel urgently calls for further investigation. And finally, Indigo Books admits that data of current and former employees was stolen in a ransomware attack. Meanwhile, the Wall Street Journal says, quote, a basic iPhone feature helps criminals steal your entire digital, digital life. That happens if thieves get access to your phone and the passcode to open it. Some thefts occur in settings such as bars, where the criminals see people typing in their passcode and then steal the device, and that lets them change the password on the iPhone owner's Apple ID, and that often lets them loot financial apps. Let's check in on the markets. The Canadian dollar changed hands at 73.49 cents, U.S. down about one-third of a cent. WTI oil for April delivery was at $76.32, up 93 cents. Western Canadian Select Oil was at $60.10, up 143. And the TSX Composite ended the day and the week at 20,219.19, up 31 points. That's the latest in business. I'm Andrew Bell of BNM Bloomberg. The Leafs are back home tonight for just one game before heading out on the road again. Here's Tavares for Marner. Throws it back in front of Riley, scores! Toronto split recent visits to Buffalo and Chicago. This evening, they welcome the Minnesota Wild to town. We're on a win streak. The Leafs will kick off a five-game road trip in Seattle on Sunday. Just ahead, funding focused on the mental health of black communities, how the federal government is aiming to provide culturally safe and appropriate counseling that addresses racial trauma. Tonight, the resilient sound of Ukrainian defiance. Our life is our music. Inside, an instrumental mission at the one-year mark of Russia's brutal invasion. That story later on CTV National News. Hey there, Toronto. I'm Teddy Wilson. And I'm Nicole Servinas. Welcome to Things to Know TO. Each week, we shine a spotlight on a wide variety of local businesses, services, events, and initiatives from across the GTA. These companies are part of what makes Toronto one of the world's most vibrant cities and a great place to live, work, and play. Join us Saturday mornings for Things to Know TO. And visit us online at thingstoknowto.ca. 
A national funding announcement will have local impact for a unique community service in the Regent Park area. It's a first-of-its-kind program offering mental health supports for black youth in an effort to tackle the effects of trauma head-on. CTV's Scott Lightfoot reports. In Regent Park, it is a community service that the community has long been calling for. It's a grassroots mental health agency that was developed because the community wanted it. Wanasa provides free mental health services to black youths aged 12 to 25 in the Regent Park area and their caregivers. Mental health services for the black community in Regent Park doesn't exist and hasn't existed. I've lived here almost all my life and it has never existed. We've had basketball courts, we've had you know uh, schools, we've had a lot of social activities, but when it came to our mental health, there was nothing. It's based out of this building, but Wanasa works throughout the community, meeting young people where they are, whether it's schools or playgrounds. For the last two years, we've seen a complex mental health issues in the community. Uh, the community is full of people who have pain and suffering, but it's also full of people who have overcome their pain and suffering. Julian Waith is a trauma specialist. I think typically black mental health has always been an afterthought, and just having that low barrier access just makes, makes the talking care, therapies of talking care, makes it accessible to all ages, all young people, their families, their caregivers, and we, we see that that transforms the community, it transforms families' lives. Today, the government of Canada announced $1.5 million for mental health supports in black communities. Some of that money will go here and will be used to help those who traditionally may not have had access to such supports. It's going to allow us to, I hope, uh, allow people to live um, a life that is full of meaning and hope and happiness and opportunity. Scott Lightfoot, CTV News. Okay, it's Friday evening. It is very cold. What do we need to know as we head right into the weekend? Here's one thing I want to tell you. Tonight, the sunset just before 6 p.m., and the days are getting longer. So starting tomorrow, sunset time about 6, and then uh, lengthening beyond that. Let's talk, though, about your evening forecast. If you're maybe venturing out for a night of skating, here's a look at what you can expect this evening. Temperature-wise, yeah, it's chilly, and especially into tomorrow morning, it's going to feel like into the minus teens. Then we eventually make it to a high of minus 3 degrees for tomorrow, but we have some snow to go along with it, especially in the morning. There's another look at your weekend forecast. Sunday, we're milder. We will hopefully have some sun, but a heads up once again for the early part of next week. Another messy storm looks to be on the way for late day on Monday. And a reminder, tonight's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $50 million plus two Max Millions. Nathan and Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Thanks, Lindsay. And be sure to join John Venevala Rao tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Pauline Chan with our next local newscast at 1130. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night. Good night.